Before we start today's podcast, the Truth About Aging wish to acknowledge that this episode has been recorded on the traditional lands of the Ghana people. We pay our deepest respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We acknowledge the Ghana people as the custodians of the Adelaide region and that their cultural and heritage beliefs are still as important to the living Ghana people today. everyone and welcome to the Truth About Aging podcast. I'm your host, Kate Helmore. Each week we'll be unpacking your questions about the aged care sector, discussing how to age well, grow old and make informed decisions. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Truth About Aging podcast. Today is a part two episode with Danielle and Kim about end-of-life doula work. If you haven't already, I do encourage you to go back and listen to part one with them on episode 28, where we really unpack what an end-of-life doula is and how they both fell into the field. Today, we're going to be talking a bit more about when to access an end-of-life doula how it's funded, and also a few things they wish that more people knew about end of life and palliative care. So we will jump back into today's episode with Danielle and Kim. I hope you all enjoy. So I guess for a bit more of a a practical standpoint, when's the best time for someone to engage with an end of life doula? So I guess it would be, I'm assuming it would be different for different people, but if you had a terminal diagnosis or something like that is it kind of better to have someone alongside earlier or is it normally you find you're really in that kind of actual end of life phase or how how does that work yeah I think the earlier the better definitely because Mm -hmm. often when people are in that crucial end of life actual dying phase and people are so far in it and so engulfed in it they actually don't have the capacity to reach out and think oh, I need someone else and try and find that person. They don't have the time or the mental or emotional capacity to do that. So definitely the sooner you can earlier on is so much more better because you can establish relationships with those that person and their families and uh, they know that they can call on you as little or as much as, as they like. Mm-hmm. So um, um, I imagine I, it also gives you a bit of time to help give them some tools and resources up front rather than at that crisis point as well. Yeah, because, yeah, they need to, yeah, I mean, I I have had a few of my clients that I've known sort of almost over a 12-month period. You know, you go in initially just starting with sort of some conversations and preparation discussions about what you want or what you need and what you may, whether it's planning to die at home or, or having a plan and then a backup plan as well, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. So having all that can just be a big relief to the person and whoever's looking after them, knowing that those sort of things have been discussed and um, when the time comes they could just pick the phone up and go, okay, things have gone downhill, Mm. I need you. And, yeah, you've got a bit of history and a bit of trust formed also with the people. Absolutely. And a bit of a random one, but I am just interested in how it works. Is it is it generally a like a private paying service or does any of that get covered by things like um, health insurance or through Medicare or anything like that? 
Yeah, no, it's, I think it's just a private payment thing. I have heard yeah. of people saying in Queensland there was something they could, some loophole that you could claim it through some sort of aged care thing, but I, I actually don't know enough about that. Mm-hmm. So it's paid you directly. You, you sort of have your own business and so, you yeah, it's just a private payment. Yeah. And the payment payments sort of set up is also can be quite different for each person like depending on how much they need how many hours they need or for me the pay rate can be quite flexible and not work on a sliding scale depending on how intensive the care is going to be or um, mm-hmm. and also working out a budget that works for people you know don't want it to be a service that's unaffordable for those that need it as well so yeah that's so definitely very you know something I like to keep flexible so yeah that no one you know misses out <laughs> yeah no absolutely that makes sense it, it is interesting I was trying while you were talking about that thinking about whether it's something that you could fit in under your home care package and I can yeah, kind of yeah. see how some people would be able to make an argument for that and potentially some providers will allow it but um yeah I mean it, it, it certainly it fits within that model of you know being able to support people at home and supporting them to die at home as well so I can't see why that's not something that you should be able to do too. Yeah. 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 So what's what's something that you wish people knew more about death or dying, which I know is a big question, but <laughs> it, it can be as many things as you think, but what what's something that you wish more people knew about? I guess there's two things. One, uh, I touched on this before, that when I talk to families that have been through this or people that have lost someone, they talk sometimes like it was very traumatic and that whether that has been a sudden death, like someone who suddenly died and then ended up in the emergency department or someone who's become suddenly fallen over at home or become unwell suddenly at home or been in a car accident and they've ended up in the emergency department and then they're in the emergency department and it's just all very mind-blowing, everything that's going on. And then the person passes away and then they're asked millions of questions and they've got to organise so much so it's quite overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Number one, lower process, still, you know, that process, I've heard people talk about how it was traumatic. And I guess if they knew that there was more uh, support in a variety of areas for them that perhaps it wouldn't be, I'm not saying it would still be wouldn't be stressful, but it may not be trauma traumatic for that person. Mm-hmm. And it would be their recovery and their grieving process after. So if people knew about this and were, it's hard, they can't, ex- I guess they can experience it by observing someone else utilise it. But if they did know about it earlier or understand it earlier, and if it was, you know, something that people put a priority around, then perhaps it would make that process and their lives going forward a lot easier. And I think in general, you know, the, the concept of death and dying, it's, it's changing, but it has been for a period of time much, very much a taboo top topic. Mm-hmm. But the fact none of us are going to get out of here alive, it's a fact of life, it's the truth of life. And if you're living, you know, the truth, then you can actually live your best life. I think if mm-hmm. there was more emphasis on not that we have to focus on death every day, but just that it's a part of life and, you know, we need to talk about it and we, we may need to be around it, not avoid it, then 
people might live a more full life anyway. Mm-hmm. They're two That's things so that true. I really I take from this work and I feel passionate about and I think as people experience near-death experiences and maybe survive an illness, they see a bit of that and that's why they're changed, partly why they're changed and they um, go through something like this. I think even for me just working in aged care, that's something I find as a side effect of that is that just being around people who are elderly and are dying makes me so grateful for the things that I have every day that I think spot on what you said that the more we normalize that and the more we discuss it and the more we engage with it, the more you actually Mm -hmm. appreciate what you do have while, you know, you can be completely autonomous and independent and do all the things that you want to do. It just, it creates that extra layer of kind of gratitude for things that you have. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Gratitude, just working out what, what you really want to do with your life and what's important too. Even mm-hmm. COVID helped with that, I think, because it, it did present some connection with not just illness but also people passing away. It made mm-hmm. people stop, think a little bit more around their own mortality and morbidity and they've made a lot of changes now. Yeah, so true. I wish people knew more about just that I, I think by just I really wish people would sort of talk about it a little bit more and not be so afraid because yeah often it's not as scary as you think and death can be and is a very precious and beautiful experience and um yeah and until you've experienced that I, I know some people might find that difficult to understand also I think important for people to know that they have time and just to slow the whole process down uh, when somebody dies, especially if it's expected, like if they can just, you don't need to pick up the phone straight away and you don't need to rush anything. To, it's just that, that sacred time that you're going to have when someone has just died and taken their last breath is something that you will never get back. And so I just feel like really taking that time and embracing those moments is something that, yeah, is really important to help people on their sort of with their healing and their grief and actually realising that this person has gone and sort of processing it all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. It is, look, it is an absolute pleasure talking with the two of you and it makes me be like, I think I need to do some end-of-life doula training because it's just, oh, my gosh, it just sounds like the most beautiful space to be able to work in and such a privilege to be able to support people through that. I just think it, it's incredible the work that you do and very inspiring, very inspiring. Um, Thank you so much. Ah, It is absolutely my pleasure. I'm sure I have no doubt from this we'll have a number of other questions that come through about some more of those specifics. So who knows? I might be okay. chasing you up later to get you guys back on for more questions on this. Yeah, And I guess importantly where can people find you if they want to know a little bit more or support you in the work that you do where's the best place for people to connect with you mine is through my instagram which is my business name is doula for life mm-hmm. so yeah. the main avenue is through the messaging on the instagram account and facebook sorry there's also a facebook doula for life page that people can access mm-hmm beautiful and, and kim you've got your website and instagram as yeah, well? yeah yes i do yeah the website's just um kim somerville.com.au i'm also listed on the australian doula college website on their directory directory services there 
can also find me on, I also work at a holistic funeral home in Sydney. So um, I'm part of an integrative sort of end of life team there as well. So that's liferightsfunerals.com. So we have three doulas working on our team at the moment. So there's a bit about me and what doulas do there as well. Incredible. No, well, I'll make sure I attach all the links to all of that for people to find you too, because I'm sure it's one of those things that once you start to unpack, you kind of want to know more and more about it. And it's just (laughs) such a a beautiful thing to learn about. And also just to start some conversations too. I think really the essence of this podcast is kind of, I guess, sharing stories and helping educate people to know a little bit more about what their options are as they age. And I think this is such an integral part of that in understanding what end of life can look like and yeah, what, what you can receive through that time that makes it a much more holistic, supported, beautiful experience. Yep, you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, thank you so much both for coming on today. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you both. You for having you. us. It's great. You're thank so you. welcome. How lovely are those ladies? It was an absolute privilege to spend some time speaking with them and learning more about the work that they do. I do truly feel inspired about end-of-life doula work and it's certainly an area that I would like to focus a bit more of my own studying in. I will provide links to both the ladies' Instagrams and websites in the show notes below. So please get around them, support them, because the work that they do is absolutely incredible. If you've got any questions about today's episode, please feel free to reach out to either myself or Danielle or Kim. You can find me at the Truth About Aging on Instagram or the Truth About Aging podcast on Facebook. I'll include all of those links in the show notes. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day, week, whenever you're listening to this episode. And I will speak to you all again next week. Bye. Bye.